Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. There's these two uh, young boys. They play t-ball together. And they played, uh, moved on up to the, with the coach, you know, pitches. And, and they went on from there and played all through Little League all together. Then they played junior high baseball together. Loved baseball. That's all they thought about. Played all the time. Played high school baseball together. And after high school, they would go watch the high school games, junior high games, park ball games, minor league games, uh, the major league games. <clears throat> Anywhere there's a baseball game, they went and watched baseball. They loved it, absolutely loved it. Anyway, one of the guys passed away, and his, his buddy just didn't want anything to do with baseball anymore. You know, just didn't watch it, didn't go to the games. And sad, he lost his friend. And one day he was in his backyard, and he was working a little bit, and this cloud came over the yard, and his buddy appeared and spoke to him. And he said, well, I came with good news and bad news. He said, the good news is heaven's everything they say it is and more. In fact, we play baseball every single day there. He said, bad news is you're, you're pitching next Sunday. <laughs> that actually, that'd actually be good news for him, bad news for the family he leaves behind. But uh, anyway... That was a good one. Somebody told me the other day. I thought I'd share that. I thought it was pretty funny. So I read a story this week about a fellow named Charles Blunden. And um, he was a, a French fella. And in 1859, they stretched a tightrope all the way across the Niagara Falls. Some of you all may know this. But they stretched a tightrope across there. It's 1,100 feet. And this fellow walked across the Niagara Falls. It was 160 feet off the ground. He walked across this tightrope. Now, <clears throat> that was impressive enough that he walked across. So he'd walk across from the United States to Canada back and forth. But then he gets a bicycle and rides across on the tightrope. That's pretty impressive. That's even more impressive. Then he goes across with a little stove, a little portable compact stove, and he cooks an omelet while he's walking across the Niagara Falls. That's not enough. Then he got on some stilts, and he went across the Niagara Falls on some stilts. Then he walked across it backwards, on this tightrope backwards. And then when he gets to the other side, he got a wheelbarrow, and he went across with a wheelbarrow. Now, think about pushing that wheelbarrow, and you, you can't see through the wheelbarrow. Obviously, it's a steel wheelbarrow, plastic, whatever it's made out of. So you can't really see where the wheel is at on the tightrope, Right? He went across it blindfolded as well. I forgot about that one. But he's pushing this wheelbarrow across it. So he goes up to the crowd, and they, I mean, they are, they are, you can imagine, it's pretty impressive. And they are very impressed. And he says, uh, uh, do you believe I can put somebody in the wheelbarrow and push them across the Niagara Falls? And they say, yeah, we believe it. Do you really believe it? And they say, yeah, we believe it. They're, they're screaming, woo, you know, going crazy. Probably thought he's going to probably put one of his uh, helpers or whatever, somebody that's working with him, helping him set things up in the wheelbarrow. He said, y'all don't believe it. This man said, I, you know, he picked a man. And he said, do you believe it? And he said, I believe it. He said, you don't believe it. He said, yes, I do believe it. I believe it. He said, no, you don't. You don't really believe it. 
The man said, yes, I do. I've been here all day. I've watched you go across and do it multiple times. I believe it. He said, you don't believe it. He said, I know I do. He said, well, get in the wheelbarrow. Well, the man didn't get in the wheelbarrow. So today we're going to talk about that, wheelbarrow faith. Because it's one thing to say you believe it, and it's another thing to trust it. So you can believe that there is a God, that Jesus is real, that He's out there. You can believe it in your head, but not in your heart. And it's two different things, because I've never seen Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, but I do believe they were real, but I've never seen them. And you can be the same way with, with Christ, as you can say you believe it, but you don't really trust Him with your life. So when you get into a wheelbarrow and somebody pushes you across Niagara Falls, you are putting your life in their hands. I mean, you're completely and totally out of control. You've got no control over the situation. I'm in a wheelbarrow at the mercy of this fellow named Charles who's pushing me across on a tightrope. There's nothing I can do to save myself. There's nothing I can do at all. I am in this wheelbarrow and I'm just going along for the ride. That's trust. That's trusting in, in Him. Well, they say, well, yeah, we believe you can do it, but we don't believe you enough that we'll get in the wheelbarrow. In other words, we don't trust you. And Christian, a lot of Christians are like that today. I've lived my life like that before because we believe in Jesus, but we don't want to trust Him with certain things, or we don't want to give up certain things. We want to take matters in their own hands. We want to stand over there on the ground. We don't want to get in the wheelbarrow. We don't want to surrender our life fully to Him. Amen? Wheelbarrow faith. In Mark, the ninth chapter, the 23rd verse. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. All things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can. The question is, if. If. If you can. If you can believe. In, in Matthew, the seventh uh, chapter, the 21st verse. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Well, you're not going to do the will of your Father in heaven unless you trust Him. You're not going to do the will unless you trust. There's got to be trust there. You won't do the will. Many will say in me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Lord, I went to church every Sunday. I threw money in the bucket. I told some people about you. I... I witnessed to him on the street. I invited my friends to church. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, who, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, well, let me not, not, let, let me not get ahead of myself here. Uh, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. So <clears throat> what he's saying is you can know about him and not know him. You can get on social media, you can get on the computer and look up facts about a person, and you can know a lot about them, but not know them. You can know a lot about them, but you don't know them. And, he's, and that's what he's saying is there, yeah, you knew a lot about me in your head, you didn't trust me in your heart. In other words, me and you never had a relationship, I, I never knew you. And what's that like? Well, um... Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The winds came, the rain, the rain, the floods, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. In other words, it, it, it's hearing and doing. It's trusting and doing. Trusting and doing good. It's trusting and doing. Hearing and doing. You can hear the Word but not put it into practice. You can sit in Sunday school every single Sunday. You can sit in this church service. You can listen to the Word all week online. Other preachers, whoever it is you listen to, you have to do it. You have to do it. I can stand on the, on the ground and say, yeah, I believe you can. But I'm not willing to get into the wheelbarrow. Hearing but not doing. So when you hear the Word and you're not doing the Word, you're like a foolish man built your house on the sand. Storm comes, it's gone. But the same storm comes when you're here and doing. Guess what? Your house still stands. There's a difference in being a hearer and being a hearer and a doer. Amen? Now how we respond to things... Um, this, this, I want you to understand this, the book here, the Bible, is God's Word. So when you're a hearer and a doer... Things come to your life and uh, some situations aren't on the forecast. You know what I mean? You watch old James Spann, sometimes you know the storm's coming. Other times, I looked at it just Friday where I was working. There wasn't a green dot anywhere close to where I was at, yet it was raining and lightning and thundering. It wasn't in the forecast. Things happen in your life that aren't in the forecast, so how are you going to respond to those things? Well, you should always respond to those things with God's Word. With God's Word. Because God's Word is medicine. And it's medicine for your souls. And there's any problem I've ever had in my life or any problem you've ever had in your life or ever will have in your life, the answer can be found in the, in the Word of God. The solution to the problem can be found in the Word of God. Um, the Word is, is medicine and... The prescribed dose is take as much as you can. Take all you want. Take it. Keep taking it every day. You never run out of refills. Just keep the pharmacies open. You get all the refills you want from now to the end of the time. You know, uh, doctors heal you from the outside in. And I've gone over this before we talked about healing, but they give you medicine that heals you from the outside in. Uh, I had surgery done on my arm here. They cut me from the outside. Everything they used, they brought it from the outside and put it into my arm and screwed it and bolted it and whatever, sewed it back up from the outside in. And they gave me medicine. I mean, you have to take the prescribed dose of the medicine. You take too much, it can have, uh, it can be, uh, there's side effects. Make you sick. Mess you up. It can be counterproductive. But see, you put the Word of God in you and it heals you from the inside out. And you can take all you want. The side effects are peace and joy and strength and stability and healing. That's the side effects. Peace and joy. I, those are good side effects. I like peace. I like going to bed at night and sleeping well. It's a good side effect. That's the side effects. You get upset, what do you do? Just get in the wheelbarrow. When you get in the wheelbarrow, you're taking a trust pill, and I'm just going to be obedient. I'm just going to do good. Despite what they did to me, despite what's going on, I'm going to go to this Word. I'm, I'm going to stay in this wheelbarrow. We want to jump out of the wheelbarrow. We won't take matters in our own hands and we're hesitant about ever getting in it. And the further you start getting away from the edge, y'all know what I'm talking about. 
I was thinking just this morning about this word and taking this word and putting this word in you and putting the medicine in you and it's hidden in your heart. And I know I'm around people sometimes when I know things are wrong and they don't. In other words, I can be into, uh, I could go into a, a place of business or a restaurant or, or just in, in, in a place and I just know something's wrong. And they don't. Other people with me may not know. Sometimes you may be fixing to engage in a, some kind of a business deal or, or, or somebody's, you know, different things we get ourselves into every day at work, different things. And you just know something's not right here. Something's off with that person. Something's off with this situation. You know, and other people don't know anything's off. They're ready to take a hoot, line, and a sinker. The difference is you've got the word hidden in your heart. And they don't. And the word, things will be revealed to you. It'll keep you from sinning. When you have the word hidden in your heart, it keeps you from sin. It don't feel right. It feels wrong. The word's hidden in your heart. Trusting God leads to a life of obedience. I think about some kids that are completely and totally disobedient. And I, I can't, every time I, 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 I hear about some kids that have just gone off the deep end, you know, like people say they're running buck wild and, and doing whatever, I always have to take a look at their parents. Do the kids trust their parents? Do the parents give them some rules? Don't do this, don't do that, live this way, live that way. But the, sometimes the kids don't trust the parents, so therefore they're not obedient. Now, when you see a mom and dad, that, that there's two sides of them. You know what I mean? Blessed and highly favored. Good to see you. How y'all doing? Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then they cuss you out before you get home. It's confusing to a kid. They don't respect you. When you lie all the time, they don't trust you. And it's hard to be obedient. to a per- Think about your boss that tells you to go do something. But you know he's a sorry, worthless thing and he lies all the time. He cheats, he steals, he does different things. You don't want to, to be submissive to him. You don't want to in your flesh, do you? Because you don't respect Him. Because you don't trust Him. You want to obey somebody you don't trust. And uh, I was also thinking about tithing. If you really trusted God, you'd tithe. It's when you really don't trust Him. I'm going to give 10% or more of my paycheck. And He says He'll, he'll, do, he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that I can't contain in me so much. But if you really trust Him, you'd get into the wheelbarrow. Problem is with tithing, people really don't trust it, really don't believe God will really do that. They really don't believe it. Or they wouldn't do it. You'd be absolute nutcase not to. You're going to give 10% of your measly check and He's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't contain and to, to, uh, rebuke the devourer for your sake, not His sake. Yeah, who wouldn't? It's a no-brainer. You can't keep me from doing it. Tell you why, because the windows of heaven have been opened up and He's poured out blessings on me my whole life and I don't want it to stop. I like it. I enjoy the heck out of it. (laughs) Amen. You do good because you trust Him. Do good because you trust Him. Um... I think I got ahead of myself, but that's okay. 
Psalms, the 37th chapter, the first verse. It says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity. Now, have you ever this seen a man or a woman who are just not good people? I mean, and their success is based off the home that they have and the vehicle they drive and their bank account. And they say, oh, he's successful. But his, his home is in disarray. Uh, uh, it's a broken, it's a mess. Um, dysfunctional, jacked up mess. But oh, he's successful. He's not successful because he's got a bunch of money. But for you and I who say, well, I, I, I'm, I'm good to people. I sow into the ministry. I'm in church every Sunday. I read the Word. I do good to people. I'm not a bad person. I'm a good person. I I try to be Christ-like in everything I do. But I don't have that giant house and those vehicles and all that money in the bank. And it seems like this bad person's being blessed more than me. Everybody's thought that before. I mean, I thought it. Why in the world does he have all that? Look at him. He's not a good person at all. Lord, if you'd give me all that, I'd, I'd, I'd help somebody. Well, won't you give them what you do have? Mmm, that hurts, don't it? Because the Lord's told me that before. If you give me that 100000 I'd help them. Well, won't you just give them 1000 you do have? And we'll, get, we'll start with that. Oh, wow. Well, don't worry, y'all love this next verse. For they'll soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green. He's going to cut them down. Didn't Johnny Cash sing a song, cut them down? Yeah, I think he did. Cut them down. Anyway, we're not supposed to rejoice and things like that. I had to go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? He didn't sing that. Well, somebody did. There's a song called Cut Them Down. Don't be whispering over there. <laughs> but no... In other words, that's, 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 that's on them. That's between them and the Lord. Here's what you do. Verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and feed on His faithfulness. Trust in the Lord and do good. Even when you're hurting, trust in the Lord and do good. Just trust and just get in the wheelbarrow. Just trust in the Lord and do good. Even when you're hurting, even when you're going through some things, even when people are doing you wrong, even when your boss it works being a jerk, trust in the Lord and do good. Don't take matters into your own hands. Just trust in the Lord that He's either going to move them out of your life, He's going to change their heart, you're going to get a promotion, maybe you'll be their boss next, maybe another uh, organization will call you and offer you a job making more money. Just trust in the Lord. Don't try to fix them. Don't take matters into your own hands. Just trust in the Lord. And dwell, feed on His faithfulness and do good. The fourth verse, delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the desires of your heart, not the desires of your flesh. There's a difference. Not only will He give you the desires of your heart, you have to understand that scripture. He's going to put the desires in your heart. Your desires are going to change. That doesn't mean, oh, He's going to give me that, my best friend's wife. Why heck? No, it's a desire of your flesh. Your desires are going to change. I think, we, I think y'all know that. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. 
Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Now, I think about my own life, my own past, and how I, where I was and where I'm at. And it all started with the Bible. It all started with me opening the Bible, reading God's Word, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. I'm talking about not when I was a kid in Sunday school, or not because I had to, but because I wanted to. I got broke, busted, and disgusted, and I opened the Word of God, and I started reading it. And within a week, I completely, totally surrendered my life, and I said, I'm not going back, I'm done, and I haven't gone back, I was finished. But the Word of God got in there and changed me. It didn't stop there, it kept on changing me. It kept on cleaning me. It kept on getting the junk out of my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it started with the Word of God. But now I can, I can look back at where I was and, and where I came from to where I'm at. And I can use my past to help other people walk into their future. How? Because of the Word of God. Because trusting in the Lord. Putting my faith in Him. Trusting Him getting into the wheelbarrow. It, t- it only took me 33 years to get in it. But I got in it. Amen. And it's not magic. You know, I didn't pray a magic prayer. I come in here, throw some money in the bucket. And uh, it wasn't a Sunday event. It's a journey. It's not a journey from here down to the red light. It's a lifelong journey. It's a journey. Ephesians 6, chapter 13th verse. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil, withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. That's the part I wanted to get to. Just to stand. When you've done all, just stand. Just stand. Just keep trusting in the Lord. Keep trusting. Keep doing good. But what about them? What about this? Just keep trusting and keep doing good. That's all He's telling you to do. Trust in Him. Have faith in Him. Don't look at the things around you. Don't look at the storms of life. Trust Him. Do good. Trust Him. Do good. Trust in God's a privilege. What about other uh, religions? They, they don't have a God they can trust in. They don't have a God that's going to come through to it with them, for them. But it's a privilege. We have a God that we can trust. Standing on this platform is a privilege. Telling people about Jesus is a privilege. Having a God that you can bring all your cares to and pile them up at His feet is a privilege. And it's it's a privilege we take for granted. I'm telling you, it's the best sleep medicine there is. NyQuil is pretty good. But trusting in the Lord's better. Because you know why? He doesn't sleep. And there's no reason in you staying awake all night long worried about something when you know He's already going to be awake anyway. You know, since both of you being awake, you can just go on to sleep. Just trust in Him. We're going to, I'm going to go through this one. Time flies. I'm going to go through this one. Here's... here's, here's couple examples right here. Mark, the fifth chapter, the 22nd verse. Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. He's talking about him. You see, it's capitalized. It's Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet. And he begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain... A woman, let me let me back up. Let me let me make this point real quick. He had a major problem. His daughter's at the point of death. He comes to Jesus. He falls down at his feet. He tells him all about it. And then Jesus is walking with him, going to his house. What he does is he brings his problem, lays it at Jesus' feet. That's like saying, "I'm trusting in you. 
I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. And so he's in the wheelbarrow and Jesus is pushing him back to their house. Visualize it. He's in the wheelbarrow there on the tightrope, okay? Because he has brought his problem to Jesus. And we do that a lot of times, especially on the Sunday service. Come to the altar, bring Jesus your problems. But by Monday, it's not working fast enough. Or somebody said something you don't like and then we just take the problem right back away from Jesus and we're going to handle it ourselves. Because I don't like the way you're driving. You ain't mashing the gas fast enough. Slide over. The gas is on the right. He never got in a hurry. We get in a big hurry. But then there's a little interruption as they're going. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, may I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out from him turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And he felt the faith. In other words, the faith drew the anointing out of him was what, what healed her. He felt it. Trust. Faith. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, we know she'd been sick for 12 whole years. And she had spent all her money. She went to all these doctors. She hadn't got any better. She'd only got worse. Now, we don't know when she learned about Jesus. It may have been that morning. It may have been a week ago. It may have been a year ago. She may have just been hoping for an opportunity to get to meet Jesus in person. Because you understand, He hadn't been to the cross yet. The Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. He's walking around as a human being on earth. So you just didn't just... Uh, there was no Holy Spirit to lead you or guide you. He, it was a different... It was different. We can go to Jesus right now. He's here right now. Two or three gathered together. There He is amongst us. In other words... It's 24-7 access. The veil's been torn. Amen? But for 12 years, she, she didn't have that privilege. And when she learned about Jesus, I don't know. But she, well, the point is she tried everything she knew how to do in her physical power. She tried. She spent her money. She went to the doctor. She did all these things, but she's not better. She's worse. It's one thing to be sick, and it's one thing to be broke. But now you're sick and broke. That's a hopeless situation. I've never been both. I've never even been that bad sick, to be honest with you. But I have, I have been bad broke. I have been that. <laughs> Real bad. But she acted. In other words, Lord, uh, pray that it's going to rain. Take your umbrella with you. That means I trust that you're going to do what I ask you to do. I've got some trust in you. I'm praying for rain. I'm carrying my umbrella. Her faith, there's action there. That's what I want you to see in that scripture there, that, um, that, that she took action. She put her faith into action. Now, the, the action is getting in the wheelbarrow. That's, that's the action. You can stand on the bank, on the ground, on firm, solid ground where you're nice and safe, and there's a guardrail, we can look over the edge. I believe. 
Oh yeah, I believe. Get in the wheelbarrow. Surrender your life completely and totally to me. Put your life in my hands. Put your situation in my hands. You're, you're letting go of the steering wheel. You're getting in. The, that's what she did. She got in. It's beautiful. She said, Lord, I'm, I'm trusting in you. Whatever she heard about Jesus was good. She heard that he was merciful. And she heard that he was a healer. And that he wasn't a condemner. Now, while he's still speaking and talking with this young lady, this lady, however old she was, he's talking with her. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? In other words, this man had traveled from his home down to Jesus. He said, I got a problem. Here it is. And Jesus said, okay, well, let's go. He has put the problem into my hands. He has got into the world, so to speak. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. That's, that's important. Don't be afraid, only believe. Another situation, the Bible man says, uh, I believe, help my unbelief, because there's always an opportunity for unbelief. Satan wants to get you into unbelief. This man has brought his problem to Jesus, just like many of you and myself bring our problems to Jesus. We get in the wheelbarrow, but then somebody out there in the world or something happens that whispers in your ear and says, there's no hope, it's useless, don't bother him anymore. And then you're going to jump out of the wheelbarrow. That's why Jesus says, only believe. Only believe. Just stay in this wheelbarrow. I've got you. Just only believe. Just trust in me. Just trust in me. He took Peter, James, and John with him, put the rest out of the house, and the little girl was healed. Amen. And he only took a select few with him. You know why? Unbelief. Unbelief. You know, I have people call me and say, what do I do about this situation? And I give them some advice and then they're going to give it to the Lord. I'm surrendering it to the Lord. I'm giving it to the Lord. And then a couple of days later, a week later, they call me and they're still talking about the same thing. I was like, I thought, I thought you gave that to the Lord. Somewhere between the first conversation and the second conversation, something happened. And they took it back. They took it back. Unbelief creep, creeped in on them. So as far as getting in this wheelbarrow, you know, um, situations arise, like I say. I mean, you, you, you get people in your life that are just uh, cause you trouble and they're hard to deal with, very difficult to deal with. And uh, opportunity to get angry is there. I like, you know, we say they made me mad. I said last Sunday somebody made me mad. But nobody can make you mad. Getting mad is totally a choice. I chose to get mad. But I didn't sin. Anger and sin not. That's what the Bible says. Anger and sin not. You're going to get mad. It's going to happen. People are going to get you angry. Or give you opportunity to get angry and sin not. In other words, there's ways to approach people and address things without cussing them out or slapping their face. I did it Friday. I did it about two years ago here in this parking lot. That's a good one. I don't think I've told you all that one. I was, maybe I shouldn't tell it. I don't know. I was across the street at my sister's house and she lived on the hill. 
And I was looking across the way, and somebody pulled up on the awning. I said, well, I guess we've got company. And I saw this guy get out, and it, it looked just like he was, um, well, like he was peeing, okay? In the front door of the church, under the awning, where we walk, just right there. And I said, no, 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 surely not. Well, I'll go over and check it out. Well, by the time I pulled in, he drives around the back, and I pull up and look, and I was right. I got mad. I mean, dear Lord, can you not go behind the building in the bushes or something? You're going to do it in the front door. So it hit me the wrong way. Well, he circles around the building. He's going out. Well, I'm in the gas. Around there. And so I jumped the curb. I went between the light pole, hit my mirror on the crepe myrtle, and I cut him off at the pass. And I jumped out of the truck, and it was some older fellow, and I got a little wound up. But I said, what in the world are you doing in the front door of the church. Are you serious? He said, well, I had to go. I said, you couldn't have drove, drove 30 more feet and went around the back? He, anyway, he tried to tell me how sorry he was and his daughter, who was about 12 years old, was in the seat and she said, I told him not to do it. <laughs> so I actually stuck my hand in the window, which I shouldn't have. I put it on his chest kind of firmly and I said, you should listen to your daughter. I said, but let me move my truck. I'll let you leave. And then I felt pretty bad about it, you know. Probably could have handled it a little differently. I don't know that I sinned, but I, I don't know that I... I don't think I invited him to church, though, so... But you understand, people do things. It gives you an opportunity to get wound up, right? You say, I just ain't got the strength to deal with this person. I just don't have the strength. I just can't do it. Well, there's a, there's a first prerequisite right here of getting in that wheelbarrow. It says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We were without strength. The first prerequisite of that is saying, Yep, I'm a sinner. In fact, it's right here in the, the eighth verse. But God demonstrates His own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The first prerequisite of getting into that wheelbarrow is saying, I'm a sinner. You know, the two men were praying at the temple. One said, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's the first prerequisite saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need you. I want to get into the wheelbarrow. The strength that I'm talking about, it says, uh, for when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. He died for us. He gives us the strength. I can't do it. No, you can't, but you can through Him if you'll just get into the wheelbarrow and trust in Him and do good. Trust in Him and do good. Trust in Him and do good. He'll give you the strength. And sometimes you say, I don't have strength to give that up. It's a bad habit. I don't have the strength to get up, give that up, one thing or the other. And you know it's something that's bad for you. Something you're drinking, something you're smoking, something you're doing, something you're looking at. It's, it's something that's bad. And you, I don't have the strength because it's just pulling you and drawing you. I know. I've had some experiences like that in my life. Guess what? He'll give you the strength to do it. That's where the strength comes from. It doesn't come from some shrink. Or some help, some self-help book. It comes from the Holy Spirit, amen? But they're mean. They're mean to me. I wrote that down, those exact words. But they're mean, and they're doing me wrong. i got to do good. I've got to pray for them. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. You're supposed to pray for those that do you wrong. I asked Sandra, our Sunday school teacher, I said, but the Bible doesn't say what to pray. It's a joke. It's a joke. Okay. Yeah. 
doing me wrong. And I thought about this. Jesus Christ himself, who has done more wrong than him? Who has mistreated more than him? He came to do good. Everywhere he went, he's healing blind eyes, raising the dead. He's doing good, giving people hope. He's being their friend. He's doing good. You know what? He's trusting God and doing good. Just what Josh was talking about up here, he trusted God all the way till he took his last breath on the cross. That's getting in the wheelbarrow. Trusting him. Because it ain't looking good. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt real bad. And everybody's surrounding me. It is not looking good. But I trust you. I put my trust into you. And I'm going to do good. And it, it says right here in Acts the 10th chapter, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's just it. He'll anoint you. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the power to go about in the midst of bad and do good. Jesus Christ did it himself. His his own Jewish people turned their back on him. They're the ones that wanted him crucified. But he went about doing good. How did he do good? Because God anointed him. And uh, with the Holy Spirit and with the power, God gave him the Holy Spirit. He anointed him. He gave him the power to do it. The same power is available to you and I to do the same thing. So we have problems and we want to get cranky. What about married people? You, did they go good at work? You come home cranky and you're going to take it out on her. You're going to take it out on him. Here's, here's, a, here's a kicker. You see these married people, one's saved, one's not. The saved one who's living for the Lord, who knows about what it means to pick up your cross and carry it, who knows a little something about crucifying your flesh, but you don't see your husband carrying his cross. Or you don't see your wife crucifying her flesh. So now what you want to do is crucify their flesh for them. It don't work like that. Trust God, do good. Trust God, do good. It don't say trust God and crucify your husband's flesh. He's got to do it himself. He's got to work out his own salvation with the Lord. What do I do in the meantime? Trust God. Just stand on this word and keep trusting God. It's been five years. Just trust God. Keep doing good. It's been six years. Trust God. Do good. It's been 15 years. Trust God and do good. Grandma, how many years did you trust God and do good before Papa quit drinking? 25 years. Trust God and do good. She treated that man like he was a king. She trusted God and did good. He quit drinking. He's in heaven now. Praise the Lord. My wife trusted God and did good for 13 years before I got a clue. How in the world can you do that? Well, He gives you the power and the strength to do so. Amen? You're going to do it by trusting Him. Anna, you want to come up, praise team, whoever is going to close us today. I'm getting close here. I think about, try to visualize in my mind what that crowd looked like at the Niagara Falls. All gathered around. And me being in the crowd. Do you think I can do it? Oh yeah, I know you can. I've seen you do it. Well, get in the wheelbarrow. Get get on in here. Uh Uh-uh. I wouldn't have got in it. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I'm not going to put my life in the hands of another man unless his name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
put my life in the hands of God, trust in Him. <clears throat> but I was thinking about standing on the side there and uh, looking across, all the way across 1,100 feet at, at what you want. What you want's over there. The marriage that you want is over there. The financial breakthrough that you want is over there. The healing that you want is way over there. Way over there. Between here and there, there's just a tightrope to get you from here to there. And the only way you'll ever get from here to there is to get into the wheelbarrow and trust God to carry you from here to there. And I know there's people here this morning that maybe in your life you feel like you're standing on the edge and you're looking way off at the life that you want, the life that you thought you'd have. You're already 30 or 40 or 50 and you're still standing here, but you really thought you'd be way over there. In John the 12th chapter, the 26th verse, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Follow him means trust him. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Get in the wheelbarrow. And it says, when you do so, my father will honor. Your father will honor you. Your father in heaven will honor you. In other words, there's work to be done on earth, here on earth. He needs you to do it. He needs you to get into the world world. What you want's way over there. He'll honor you and give it to you if you'll trust. So we want to wait till He goes ahead and puts us over there. Now I'll trust you. That's not trusting. And we want to give up and quit. People all the time say they fell off the wagon. You don't quit on something you truly believed in. What that means is you really didn't believe or you wouldn't have quit. And I can't... I can't point that out in Scripture. That's just radiology. That's what I think. You don't give up and quit on something or somebody or someone, anything that you truly believe in in your heart. You don't quit it. You might get hit right square between the eyes. You might get knocked off your horse. That's okay to get knocked down. Righteous man gets knocked down, but he gets blown back up doesn't he? seven times. And Christians, we get knocked down. You live in the world. This world is going to leave you scarred. You might leave out of here with a limp. This world... We'll leave you with some scars. And the last scripture here. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder for those who diligently seek Him. God is a rewarder. You want access to grace? The access to grace is through the faith. We talk about the key. You don't need the key. You got the door and his name is Jesus. Amen. So what does all this mean? What this means is, are you tired of standing here looking at what you want? Looking way over there at the marriage that you want? At the life that you want? At the peace that you want? It's going to start by getting in the wheelbarrow, having wheelbarrow faith. That means taking your hands off trust in your life completely and totally to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 